Welcome to Catholic in America. Today we are talking about the bad place. We're going to be discussing what is hell and what do people think about it. And is anyone there? So we'll see you in hell from heaven as we discuss it. We'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Catholic in America. Today we are talking about the bad place, hell. And I'm, I'm Father Michael. I'm joined by Father Doug and Father Tom, two experts on hell. So uh, good to see you guys. Good to see you, <laughs> you too. Yeah. So uh, what when we're talking about hell, the bad place, um, we can talk a little bit about that show, uh, The Good Place. I don't think we have the rights to use that name or use any likeness. But uh, we're, like, we're not talking about Florida in the summertime, right? No, absolutely. Okay. The, the bad place as in yeah. hell, Got burning it. for all eternity. Got it. Uh, what do people think about hell? What do people that you encounter in your daily life, what are, what are their thoughts about it? Who goes there? What's, what's kind of the, the consensus of a modern tw 21st century American when we, when we talk about hell? If someone believes in hell, and I think that's the first thing to say is, is that there, there's people who don't believe in it, who, who doesn't think, if they believe in God, they don't think that a good God would actually have a place like this or would send people to hell. And so if they, if they even do believe in it, then it's really for the worst. It's for, it's for the people who, who do the worst things, commit the worst. I mean, it's the worst people you can think of. As a matter of fact, you hear of someone who does something really bad, and they say, oh, there's a special place in hell for them. Right. Yeah. So Hitler... Someone who like hurt, Stalin maybe Stalin hurts kids. Someone who talks in movie theaters like yeah, the, yes, the, the worst right, possible right. things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or the opposite extreme is people who think that everyone who disagrees with me is going to hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyone who doesn't agree with my political agenda, everyone who doesn't agree with my political stance on social issues, these people are all going to burn in hell while I watch them burn from. From eternity uh, in heaven. So there's different descriptions of hell, or, or I think I think of the show, The Good Place, yeah. that uh, this this revelation of that you know being with Ted Danson, certain, certain yeah. <laughs> being be, be with Ted Danson yeah, right, for right, all right. eternity right, right. Uh, becomes the bad place, become becomes right. hell, and so so this this recognition of of like hell is kind of maybe just a bunch of inconveniences or it's torture. Yeah, that's the torture. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that it's that. That it's not just a place you go where you're you're unhappy, but it's a place where you go where you're absolutely and completely tortured to the extent that you just can't stand it anymore, and you're in complete unhappiness. This uh, uh, we're forgetting the name of the existentialist playwright who said yeah. that hell is other people as well. Right. That, that, oh, I've that, I'm, I'm gonna have experienced that. <laughs> some people, yeah, some people yeah. see hell as isolation and loneliness. Right. Some people see it as just being with other people, yeah. and you know, I wish to be left alone. But answering yeah. um, emails. Yeah. yeah, I think of the Twilight Zone episode. In a sense, it's kind of it's kind of an existentialist sort of thing, where the one the guy, all he wants in life is to be left alone so he can read. That's all he wants in life. And finally, he it's like a nuclear holocaust, and he gets locked in a library. And he's like, oh, I could just spend the rest of my life reading. He steps on his glasses, so you know, yeah. he can't, he can't yeah. read. You know, he's got all these books around him. So in a sense, it's yeah. like this, this, this uh, divine retributive kind of annoyance, right. that torture that 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 gets at the very core of who I am. We also have the Divine Comedy. I don't know how many people oh, yeah. read that anymore. Yeah. That's kind of you know the images, artistic images that we have of hell, which is fascinating. And right. you read read through that, and that's that you know Dante's descriptions of hell. Um, he had some vivid dreams or something to help him to be able to uh, to come up with those tortures and those ways of 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 whatever sins people committed in life that those are the things that are, are 
lit sometimes literally eating away at them oh, for yeah. all well, eternity. And retri retributive, because like that's also the other notion of hell is that the injustices that uh, had happened. This, this is not this is not unique to Christianity. This is would be found in like even the old understanding of like Tartarus. Like if you look at like if you look at the Greeks, like uh, I believe it's uh, Prometheus who is eternally tormented for giving fire to humanity, and therefore mm -hmm. he has a. Uh, I think it's the bald, the eagle, which is eating his intestines throughout eternity for the, his his transgressions of the evil that human beings have, have committed now with the power which has been entrusted to them. Um, hmm. So this rehabil this uh, retributive as well as rebalancing. Um, yeah, it's not rehabilitating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Retributive. Retributive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, and then you have that idea also from you know Rob Bell, the, this um, popular um, um, evangelical theologian who. Well, not even theologian, pastor, who's now with Oprah, but he wrote a book called Love Wins. And, of course, in this idea of love wins, hell is this place that's preparing you for heaven, actually. Mm. So you you go there, but God's not going to leave you there because ultimately his love wins. That's interesting. That sounds like a similar concept that we have in Catholicism. It does Called purgatory. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound very similar yeah. to that. Yeah. We're going to have another episode. <laughs> this episode is on the bad place. We're going to have another episode on the shower before the wedding feast, That's which right. is <laughs> purgatory. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of people probably maybe can see that the fear of hell, like don't do that, you'll go to hell sort of yeah. thing, as as shame-based, as something that 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 can, you know, uh, can be damaging psychologically. And I think maybe some people experience that as like, I was always afraid I was going to go to hell as a kid. Um, I don't know if that's something you guys grew up with as, as, as a, a fear of hell or something. Uh, you know, yeah. Catholic, the fear of, you're talking about Catholic guilt? Yeah. I, it's not just Catholic. I've never seen Catholic guys. guilt. Yeah. 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 I'm Hare Krishna, so we had Hare Krishna guilt. Well, I remember for me going to um, these uh, hell's fires, heaven flames that um, some of the Protestant churches did at Halloween. So rather than having a haunted house you went through, you got to go and see these people die in a car accident and some of them go to hell and some of them go to heaven. Nothing any scarier than that. <laughs> and then there was also this movie called It's Too Late. And so in, in It's Too Late, it was talking about if you didn't you know, live the right way and do the right things, you were going to wind up going to hell and what that actually would be like and, and missing out on all the blessings and all that stuff. So, wow. Oh, yeah, scaring the, the dickens out That's of you. Where, amazing. Yeah, where you, where, where you wanted to live this way because you didn't want to go there and showing just how terrible the place is so you wouldn't want to go. But I think also a modern conversation, which kind of going on the same train of thought of that as yeah. that, is kind of like, like the psychological, like what is the psychological, and this would be like an atheist, the modern day atheist who points out the negative psychological effects of living in fear. Mm. And so like, uh, when you, especially when you have a fear-based religion, that's one of the accusations that are oftentimes leveled against Christianity and Judaism, um, is this fear-based, like you're, you're instilling fear in people mm. from a young age, and by instilling fear in them, they're not acting out of freedom, they're just acting out of opposition to this fear-based, and therefore it has a, a detrimental psychological effect. So why are, you, like, why are you teaching people about hell, especially when there's no evidence, and there's no, uh, there's, there, might not, there might not be any eternal, ju eternal justice, there might be not any, when you die, you might die. So like, why cause people to live in fear yeah. for like their entire lives, fear of this horrible reality which might not actually ever be? Right, true. And so why do you think then that people, you know, there's a desire that, there's, that things will be made right? Yeah. That, you know, wickedness will be punished. There's some sort of desire towards that. I think we can try to do that this side of death, you know, sure. um, as much as possible. But that there seems to be some sort of sense of that, of like, you know, you mentioned that when someone does something horrible, there's a place in, 
you know, and, and hell for, for, you know, special prison and hell for someone person. like you, for that type of person. Yeah. And we can think of, you know, the unspeakable crimes that humans commit against each other that kind of elicit those sort of responses. But what is it within us that is is longing for that or is hoping for that, some sort of uh, yeah. retribution or punishment? Yeah, I think it's kind of funny also that, that it's never me. It's always someone else that's going to, you know, Absolutely. have a special yes. place for them. But, yeah, but, but you know, the idea of justice itself, that... Uh, an act that's so heinous and so bad has to have eternal repercussions because if it doesn't, there's just not enough we can do to someone here to help them experience the kind of pain or the kind of devastation that they cause or the kind of loss that they cause. And so, I mean, it's very understandable that you would want something to actually give the kind of justice that we're not able to give here. Mm -hmm. and, 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 well, I mean, we all have heard and, and can think of people that have gotten away with Lots of things in their life. Well, I mean, lots of times, like, God forbid, in these mass shootings, when someone takes their own life right after they do it, the people are, you know, people are really upset about that because you weren't able to punish them in this life. Mm -hmm. And so the hope is, is that when this person comes to that, it's going to be even worse for him than it would have been if he'd have stayed here. And the questions of this always keep coming up recently. I mean, Pope Francis is always is always coming up with 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 topics and, and off the cuff remarks. And recently, a, a, a young boy who tragically lost his father was asking Pope Francis in like a public question and answer form about his father, who was an atheist, whether he mm -hmm. was going to go to heaven. And Pope Francis had a very pastoral response to that about God's desire for us to go to heaven. Um, but it was it was in, interesting to me still that that there's this worry, there's this concern as you get to the end of life, even if you haven't been a practicing Christian or someone there, of of what happens next. That, and yeah. that, that's that's always troubled us. Something we've all, we always struggle with. Yeah. Well, and then that's present in almost every. It's not unique to Christianity or to Judaism. We didn't invent it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, present, that. that's yeah. present in almost every world religion. I mean, if you look at uh, Taoism, or you look at Shinto, or you look at a lot of the different world religions, especially like Hinduism, where you believe in reincarnation, um, where the reincarnation though is is dependent upon your karma and your dharma. Mm -hmm. So the way in which you and that your actions reverberate into your next life, and therefore that's their whole system of like if you are a bad person, if you do more harm than good, then that will affect your reincarnation level in that. So like when you look at like all these different world religions, almost all of them have to do with some type of justice, whether the justice be intentional and personal, like in the in the theist models, or whether it be an impersonal force which just rebalances and brings order back into the universe. Mm -hmm. But still, I mean, that's one of the fundamental key components of all world religions is this notion of that our actions reverberate throughout eternity, or that at least they have some type of long-lasting consequence which happens after this life. Um, so I think I think it's, it's a fundamental question in the human consciousness that yeah. we that There's we a wonder. desire for and justice. Also, there's, also a yeah. there's a recognition of order. Like that when there is disorder, when there is something which is unbalanced, like that there is an order. And so like there's this, this innate sense within mm -hmm. the human per person and consciousness that order, like disorder demands uh, a, a counterbalance, which is, I mean, that's what retribution Go, kind of is. Going back yeah. to that show, The Good Place, yeah. not that I want to give spoilers for it or anything else, but basically it's an understanding of the afterlife really without God. And right. not, not and it's not being ugly about it or anything else. It's a, it's a funny show. It's a humorous yeah. show. But kind of like what is our understanding of of like what gets someone sent to hell. And a lot of times they are those sort of, you know, I mentioned something tacky talking in a movie theater or something like that. It is kind of- Leaving the cap the, off the toothpaste. Yeah, yeah. yeah those, those sorts of annoying things that you do to other people that like, you know, you're gonna be punished for this. Or you, that it is kind of impersonal that it's like a tally sheet growing up over your life. How many good benevolent things did you do? How many annoying selfish things did you do? 
and is one of those greater than the other? And it's kind of like this divine, not even divine, just sort of, you know, pragmatic uh, tally sheet, balance sheet at the end of your life kind of mm -hmm. tips you one way or the other. Right, that's, that's one thing that's funny about the show that you're talking about. One of the characters on there is um, actually a, a good moral person tries to be a good moral person. The reason why he's in the bad place is because he tortured people with his indecisiveness. <laughs> and so he wasn't actually a bad person necessarily, right. except that spoilers, spoilers for the good Sorry place. Sorry about but, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, so thinking about this, this I, I think as a shift in society, and there, again, some modern surveys that have said that, that large percentages of, of believing Christians and Catholics that believe there's a hell, maybe, but that it's very few people that will ever get sent there. It's only really the horrific... Um, cases of you know the Hitlers of the world that go there, so generally good people are good and they're probably going to go to heaven. Um, what do you think is is behind that shift for people as you see the shift of a tendency as as a believer as a Christian to not really ask about what does the Bible say about this, what does our faith right. teach about this, but more that like that it seems like less people um, are are being sent to hell, yeah. you know, the, or you know, these the, days, the, the, these days, people. right? Yeah. I think in the modern world, as you look at how people understand God today, especially with the very common understanding that God is love, and as God being loving, like God does not want anyone to go to hell, and God is not going to send anyone to hell. And so especially that God accepts people where they are. And so especially as we've had the promotion of in our society as a virtue of tolerance and acceptance, God accepts everyone where they are. It's hard for people to grapple with the idea, especially in the modern world of how a loving God would allow this. And so therefore you kind of have this movement towards, no, there's really, if there is anyone in hell, it's only the really bad people. Right. Other than that, God kind of works with each person as they are and tolerates people and just kind of moves them incrementally closer to him. Okay, so we're gonna dive a little bit more into this. I think, I think this is worthy of looking at how our faith interfaces with this concept of the bad place. We're gonna talk more about our faith and hell when we come back. Hey guys, thanks for checking out Catholic in America. I'm Father Michael Nixon and I like to party. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Father Tom Dillon, uh, priest here in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. I think I have the longest hair in the, probably the state, and uh, I too like to party. I like whiskey and cigars. Father Doug Martin. I'm also a priest here in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, and I'm married and roll tide. Oh my goodness. Oh, yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> I was okay with the being married part, but roll tide thing. <laughs> In Catholic in America, we engage the intersection between faith and culture. Tune in every week because no topic is out of bounds. We want to thank you so much for supporting this show by watching it, by liking, sharing, and subscribing. How else can they support the show? You can also become a patron on Patreon and support us financially. So if you support us, there's all kinds of swag. There's t-shirts, there's coffee mugs, or maybe bumper stickers. I don't know, maybe we could come up with a wig from Father Tom. <laughs> Father Tom wig would go, go a long way. So thanks for your support. God bless y'all and check us out next time on Catholic in America. Hey guys, welcome back to Catholic in America. Today we are talking about the bad place. And if you don't want to end up in the bad place, you'll like, share, and subscribe. And as always, we thank you for your support. And if you'd like to continue your support or support us for the first time, please look us up on Patreon. So let, let's start with scripture, okay, uh, about our response to this. And I think of um, Matthew chapter 22, Jesus gives this parable about the wedding feast and about how this guy's not clothed in the wedding garment. And at the end of the parable, it's, it's pretty harsh because the, the wedding feast is always heaven. That, that, that's the description of the heaven. Then the king said to his attendants, bind his hands and feet and cast them into the darkness outside where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth 
Many are invited, but few are chosen. So those words seem pretty stark about the possibility of hell, the reality of hell, that people get sent there. Yeah, and it's also, uh, I've always, I mean, I've, I've given actually a couple different homilies on this particular passage because the, my question is, well, did he somehow get in there without a garment? Or, I think more, uh, more interesting, did he soil his garment <laughs> and didn't keep it clean, which is also like that biblical notion of purification, keeping the garment clean. That's why like baptism, especially for us as Catholics, baptism is not like this universal, I'm baptized, now I'm saved, and I'm immediately going to heaven, it doesn't matter what I do. Like the pot is that relationship with God entails an ongoing process of conversion and relationship with God is a constant yes. And at any time in that, in that process, I can say no to relationship with God, and therefore remove myself by my own free will out of relationship with God. I mean, you have lots, Jesus is very clear, not just in that one, but many different passages in Scripture, where he places salvation in the hands of uncertainty. Mm. And like Jesus doesn't come to give us certainty, say God accepts everyone, because also part of God's love is his justice, is that God comes in to, to free us from sin, mm. but we have to be willing to participate with that. And if we're not willing to participate with that, that's a problem. And so like God says, because that's where you have even the Our Father, uh, which yeah. is the most yeah. common prayer, verbal prayer that we have, which is that uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Going to the, then the parable of the, good, of the steward who is forgiven the great debt, and then he goes out and finds someone who owes a lesser debt to him, and he starts to hold on and choke him. Mm -hmm. Then all the other different... Uh, the servants go before the king, God, and say, "This he was forgiven by you, your great debt of a million dollars. And then this guy had a smaller debt, he didn't forgive him, and then the king drags his butt back in front, and you have the, almost the exact same thing. Is yeah. that you had, you had no mercy upon him, whereas I had mercy upon you. This guy, all of his debt is back on him. Throw him to the jailers where he'll be tormented until he pays it back. And wailing and gnashing of Wailing and gnashing, you yeah. can't. Yeah. So like yeah. this, this notion is like, it also goes to that biblical notion of the measure, Jesus says, the measure you measure out will be measured out to you. If mm -hmm. you measure out mercy, forgiveness, and love to others, it will be measured out to you. On the other hand, if you don't, <laughs> like it's also the, the parable of the, uh, the five talents. There was one who was given five, one who was given two talents, and one who was given one. All of them are required to double their talents. But then there's the one who had one, so the guy who comes in with five, he says, here's my five, and here's another five, here's my two. Second guy, here's my two, here's another two. The third guy, he's like, well, you only gave me one talent. So uh, I knew you were a harsh and demanding master. And then... So I buried it and hit it. I buried it, it yeah. and here's yeah. back yeah. your yeah. talent. Yeah. And he's like, well, by your own words, I condemn you. Mm. By your own words, you say I'm a demanding master. So therefore, I will demand it. You should have given it to that. And then same, same action, he's tossed out. with the Wailing of national teeth. So, so we're, we're not saying that it's theoretical that people go to hell or some people can no. go to hell. We're saying that, yeah, this this is reality. The likelihood of people in hell yeah. is very high, scripturally, scripturally speaking. So it, does the Vatican have the list then? I think a lot of people want to know of who's in hell. Should we? Yes. <laughs> okay. It's a secret list found in the yeah. secret Vatican okay. Okay. No, If they have the a list of who's going, I'd no, like the, to see that. The church, <laughs> thank, thankfully, and I think in humility, the church recognizes that Christ, the King, Jesus, the judge, the, the final judge who will judge all of humanity, it's the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the judge, and that we cannot judge anyone. Even the mm. church doesn't even actually say that Judas, and biblically speaking, like probably like the figure of Judas is like one of the most kind of scary things if you read it on the subject, because Jesus himself says about Judas, it would be better if this man had never been born. 
So like Judas's fate, as well as that we know that Judas took his life at the very end, hung himself upon his tree. Um, and that very graphic scene is described in the Gospel of John and the other Gospels. So like Judas is like, even like the figure of Judas, who who also Milton, not Milton, uh, Dante in yeah. his uh, Inferno in the Divine Comedy, he placed Judas as a betrayer of a friend at the darkest and the pits of hell, right, right. almost right next to Satan himself. Which is interesting that hell, by the way, is not hot, it's, it's freezing. According to Dante. According to Dante, yes. yeah. It's an in interesting in insight that, that, that the devil's kind of frozen and his wings yeah, are beating and just making it more cold. You're stuck. Yeah, you're there's, stuck. Nothing, there's nothing movement, there's no growth. Uh, that's also like what Dante is getting onto is this notion of unchanging, unforgiving, unrepentant, mm. and not sorry. Like, yeah. well, and also outside of the burning love of God, if God's an all-consuming fire, the further away you get from him, the more you freeze, not the more you burn. Yeah, and the more, yeah, because yeah. Dante, once you ascend from hell up, yeah. you go, it's more and more dynamic, and there's more light, there's more fire, so to speak, you know, right, as you right. get into 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 heaven itself, which Correct. is in interesting. I think different than yeah. the uh, an image than, than the, the popular one that we have. So, like, but if you go to that, like, obviously Dante put lots of people in hell. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, Anyone who ever crossed Dante yeah, yeah. was in hell. Yeah, which yeah. is actually. A, he also put like I find it funny because like if you look at like the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo, who was actually not the biggest fan of Dante, you'll find if you, in the upper right scene of the last of the Last Judgment, you'll find all the patriarchs and the figures of the Old Testament, and Dante, who was very adamant that Cain was burning in hell and was in hell, Michelangelo is kind of a snub to Dante place Cain and Abel actually embracing and kissing each other oh, up wow. in heaven in this reconciliation moment. Then he has Dante's. Face overlooking the two of them frowning. <laughs> I mean, Dante, Dante, uh, Michelangelo had a, had, a, had a keen wit in terms of how he predicted heaven and hell in the last judgment. But the church as a whole doesn't ever say dogmatically, doctrinally, and actually doesn't say anyone is, and doesn't put out a list of anyone in hell because the church also recognizes we are not the judge. We can't Amen. say definitively whether or not who's there, who's not there. But what the church says, using the scriptures as well as the tradition, the writings of the fathers, and consistently throughout the ages, is like, no, Jesus talked very definitively about the reality of hell mm -hmm. and that there was going to be a judgment. I mean, if you look at like John's apocalypse, like one third of the world is destroyed, which goes to that notion of one third of the angels. The only persons that the church dogmatically declares to be in hell is the damned angels, fallen angels, and leaves, leaves the fate of man in the hands, not of the church, but leaves the fate of man in the hands of the judge which is Christ. Praise God for that. I think about this too, and, and Jesus' words, I mean, as far as how sort of easy we make it, you know, to get out of hell, you know, that 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 uh, just in our own, you know, speaking about it, that basically no one ever goes there. Uh, Jesus says some, some words that are pretty scary, you know, when Terrifying. he says that wide is the way and, and easy is the path, you know, that, that leads to, to perdition, to hell, um, and narrow is the way and, and difficult the path that leads to heaven. I think that that's one of those sort of challenges to us to be like, oh, have, have I been kind of um, forgetting about this, you know, um, not that we need to necessarily live in fear, but I think it's a good, it's good to go to Jesus' own words about this rather than just sort of project what we want Jesus to think about it, or what we want God to feel about it, to be like, yeah, I just wants everyone, everyone, and, and, and anyone can, or anyone can get to heaven or can escape hell. Right, well, I mean, and, and, and we do that because, as you were saying in the last segment, we, you know, we're wanting to be more tolerant. We, we're wanting to think if God is love. We really do focus in on God being love mm. and God being accepting. And so, and if we are in that, you know, if we are in that kind of avenue, then what we want to do is we want to make hell less. And so, I mean, because a good and loving God wouldn't send people to to a place like that. But you know, and I think 
one thing that's happened in our society is, and, and it's a very good thing, one side of love is acceptance. It is that, that we are loved by God, not because of what we do or what we don't do, but because of his love for us and, and just because that he is love. And so there is this acceptance that happens in our society, and it's a very good thing. We see it happening all over the place, that we accept people for who they are and where they are. But the other side of love is, is that there needs to be change, that mm. you're not left where you are, but that you're, there, there's change that must happen. And without that change, yeah. where well, do we go from and I here? Think that, and this is where maybe the, uh, uh, where this doesn't sit well with people today is the notion that God does discriminate. And I use that word actually kind of, and I mean it to be controversial, because God does discriminate between the sin and the sinner. Mm. And so Jesus once came into the world to, to cast out demons, to cast out evil, to separate and to extract from human beings evil and sin. And this is diff very different than, especially from our Catholic understanding from like Luther, which is that Christ comes in to kind of cover up and protect us with grace. Right. Like that's where Luther talks about grace, the actions of Christ cover us like a snow-covered dunghill. Right. Versus the Catholic understanding, no, Jesus comes in to extract the demonic, to extract evil from us. And therefore he discriminates mm. between human beings and their sin to pull it out and to therefore heal them and restore them and to bring them new life. But in order for him to do that, Jesus calls out sin. Mm. And that's where that notion is of like, we live in a world today where it, to even talk about sin sometimes is something which is like, well, you're judging people. No, Jesus calls and discriminates. He says, this is sinful actions. This is sinful behaviors. The Holy Spirit, who he breathes into the apostles, like helps us to discern what is evil. First in our own selves First, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And this, well, is I mean, a, this is first to be pushed the sword inward. Yeah. What, uh, John talks about it you know, in, his, in his first letter that um, you know, you know, you know what's evil and what's good by the fruit. I mean, you can tell by the fruit what's yeah. good and evil. Yeah. That image that, that you use as far as the Lord drawing out that evil from us reminds us of the great scene in, in, in the two towers oh, yeah. um, in the books and, and in the film where uh, Gandalf, who is the Christ figure, he's now Gandalf the White, he's been resurrected, he's gone through hell, that right. um, Theoden, the king, is, is infested, you know, kind of, you know, possessed, if you will, um, by Saruman, and, and he draws him out. He says, I will draw you out, Saruman, as, as, as you draw out, uh, you know, poison from a wound. And, and that's, that's, it's an interesting scene. I think it, it, it's, see that Jesus does that for us as well. But it, it brings up to me, the challenge of hell is that the Lord actually takes our freedom seriously. Yes. That's, that to me is, is maybe one of the uh, like amazing dogmas of the church is our freedom actually matters to God. Your, your decisions actually matter to God. And that he takes it that seriously, I, I think is, 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 is very, very challenging. And also too, that, that God wants us in heaven. You know, God desires the salvation yeah. of everyone, um, but he won't do it against our will. Right. Correct. You know, you, we can't be pulled kicking and screaming into heaven, you know, that, that we would make heaven into hell. And I think that's, that's something, you know, C.S. Lewis does a great job of describing that in The Great Divorce, actually in, in The Last Battle as well. It's, it's like people could be in a heavenly place, but if they brought hell in with them, well, in, in a sense it doesn't matter. And even going to like the ancient understanding, the more ancient understanding of hell, which like the modern understanding of it is oftentimes depicted as like this place of fire and brimstone and, and things like that. But like the ancient, like when you look at like the biblical understanding of the difference between Gehenna which more closely actually aligns with an understanding of purgatory, a place of fire and of purgation and of uh, pain, and therefore, the, but also it's not a place of physical pain, but a place of mental and spiritual pain, because you don't have a body. 
But like, then you go to the description of Shale or of Tartarus, which is, again, those words are not actually, even in the, in the Jewish understanding, those words are not completely synonymous. Sheol is a place of darkness. Of, the a abode place, of the, the dead. The, the, the yeah. abode of the dead, the place of darkness, the mm-hmm. place of gnashing and the wailing. It's a place of forgetfulness. That's one of the reasons why when the good thief upon the cross says, Lord, remember me, yeah. part of what he's actually, don't let me be lost to Sheol, because if you were forgotten and this eternal banishment and a forgetfulness in this place of darkness, which I liked about that in C.S. Lewis's last battle, like where he had in one of the one of the uh, the judgment scene at the very end, he had like the dwarves, who didn't want to uh, believe in Aslan and things like that, and so like they're plugging their ears, and they're closing their eyes, and then they're wondering why they can't talk to each other because they are imposing their their ignorance and their they a willful ignorance where they will not see, they will not look, and they will not admit to where mm. they they themselves have been wrong, right. and so like this notion mm. of like this forgetfulness and darkness, and so like in the notion of like what is actually a understanding of hell is like this place where we refuse the mercy of God. Absolutely. Where we refuse, we choose ignorance, we choose our darkness, we choose eternal banishment as opposed to looking and seeing what we've done. And that God, I mean, that's the terrifying thing for me of, of reflecting upon like what hell, I mean the reality of hell is like that God, like all actions, all deeds will come to light, but the persons who will turn away from the light and will choose their deceptions mm. and self-deceptions and darkness because that is preferable to the burning light of God's love. When you hear, you hear it even here, I mean, you hear people say, if, if that's God, then I, I don't want that God. I don't love that kind of God. I can't love that kind of God that would do this. I mean, you, you hear mm. it all the time. And, and I, I, I mean, I truly do believe that most, if not at all, people in hell will be there from their own choosing. They would never want to choose that kind of a God, even though they're in the torture that they're in. Well, and, and this is also the other, the other piece, is like the notion of like, this is why like going to that notion of, the, of that Christ who doesn't discriminate based upon race or upon gender or upon all the things that we in, the, in our humanness, we oftentimes discriminate. Jesus discriminates between evil and the presence of the evil one and us, and that's why he does not allow us to self-identify with our sin. Mm, he yeah. will not allow us to say, this yeah. is who I am. Right. right. does not allow us to self-identify. He says, no, I know your name. Right. I was the one who created you. I know who you are. I know what you are, and I know what I created you for, which is greatness, which is my love, which is I did not leave you to be stuck in your sin. But that's where like the danger of self-identification with sin and that's, that there's a difference between like I struggle with sin versus I am my sin. Mm. Oh, well, that's why baptism he named us. Yes. Yeah. He, that's why he has that claim thing. on us that, yeah. that we are son, we are daughter, and we, he knows our name. I mean, that's the whole reason why he talks about the a stupid thing like the number of hairs on your head. I mean, what a stupid thing to know. But to him, it's that important because he knows us that well. He has that kind of a claim on our life that he would know even the, the smallest little thing about us like the hairs on our head, but he's named us, your son, your daughter, not your sin. I think too, this brings up to us also the mission of the church, that the mission of the church, because there's this great scene, the harrowing of hell, where Jesus on Holy Saturday after his death, he goes down and Orthodox uh, iconography of it, in the Orthodox church of Jesus smashing down these yeah. gates, smashing the devil underneath the door, grabbing Adam and Eve, those who have died, 
and pulling them back to life, pulling them into, in, in a sense, that's such a great image of what the church is supposed to be, that we're supposed to be that gate-smashing reality. We're supposed to be snatching people out of the the, the, the tyranny of the devil, um, the grip of sin and death. Uh, that really is hell. Um, that that isol- Whether it's isolation or with other people or however you want to describe it, or whether it's cold or hot, um, that the, it's a reality, it's, it's, an, it's an option, it's a possibility. The devil wants to, everyone to go there because he wants them all to be miserable, but our job then becomes to continue that mission of Jesus, to help people through faith in Jesus, through membership in the church, through the sacraments, to enter into life. Right, but you know, but it goes right back to what you were talking about, about freedom and God's love. I mean, I mean, you can't have love without freedom, and, yeah. and God knows that, and so that's the reason why when he, he wants to capture that from us. He wants to help us and to bring us along, but he's not willing to do it without our, our approval. And so, I mean, when we have the, the church to lead us and guide us down this road, of love and mercy and of understanding exactly who God is, then we have, we're on the right path at that point. And yeah, I'm going into the freedom, like then that is the paradox. I mean, and that what I'm like, the true paradox of love is like, in that question of like, if, why would God allow people if God was so loving and things like that. But like, it's an act of God's love that respects my, your freedom enough. Absolutely. That what you choose, I will allow for you because I love you yeah. and I'm willing to enter into your suffering with you, but still, like, like if I force a person to love me, like, and that's why, like, Doug, you're married. If, yeah. if you had, like, manipulated, tricked, deceived, pressured your wife into marrying you, yeah. like, that's not love. Well, we call it invalid, actually. Yeah, it's, it's an invalid, invalid marriage, marriage. Yeah. absolutely. But yeah. Yeah. the whole point is, like, and therefore, yeah. the rejection of God is a re- very real possibility. The rejection of love is a real possibility as a consequence. Of, otherwise, free will is an illusion, and love itself is an illusion. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. way I put it to my students is, is if you found out your best friend was being paid by someone else to be your friend, would you still think they loved you? Yeah. And the answer is, well, no, they, they don't. But, but they've been doing all these good things to you, but they can't love me because someone's making them, someone's paying them. And so we, we, we want freedom. We want God's love, but we don't necessarily want it with the freedom that comes with it. We don't want the responsibility of that. And it always comes back to a relationship as well. So getting away from that list of how many good things I did or how many yeah. bad things I did, that I have a relationship with the living God. And and it's only through that that I'm saved. You know, St. Right. Peter says this in Acts of the Apostles. He says it's only in the name of Jesus, you know, are, are, are we saved? And so th- that that becomes part of it as well. The question that comes up then for people, and maybe there's some, what about the people that don't know Jesus? Is it possible for them to be saved? And I think that that's that's a worthy thing. We can maybe take a, take a minute or two discussing that. There's many more conversations that can happen for those that maybe have never heard about Jesus or just only had bad examples of Christianity or Catholicism and rejected that. Um, then what, what, what about for those people? Is, is there any chance for them to be saved? I mean, I, th- I think we have to say maybe two answers. But probably, I mean, there is a chance, but we we're, we're not sure. Mm-hmm. We're not sure how. We're not sure uh, how what the mechanisms are for that. How it works. Uh, we're not sure how good you have to be. How bad you have to be. I mean, I think one thing that we would say is is that it would be the consistency in which you live with the truth that you have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's part of what we all have to deal with to a certain extent. Is is what have you done with what you know? That's why. Paul puts it in the book of Romans. He, he tells the Jews, he says, you, you knew the law, and so you're definitely more culpable. But the Gentiles who didn't have the law, yeah, they're not going to receive the same reward, but they're also less culpable as well because mm. they only acted in accord with what they knew. And that's what Jesus, in one of his parables, he also says, he, the parable of the, uh, the varying different stewards. The, there's the one steward 
in Jesus' parable, he gives a steward of a, a Jesus leave, or that the, the owner of the house leaves his house in the keeping of his servants. And he leaves one who beats the other servants, and that one is thrown out into the, where, where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. The other ones who abuse, who uh, strike and who are drunk and misuse their misuse the giftedness of their positions, like they are severely beaten. And then those who also misused, but they didn't know what they were doing, they receive this light, they receive only a light beating. A light beating, right. that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. a great line. But it's, I'll but take but that. It's, but, but it's in that notion of justice, is like God takes into account what in law is called mens re, your knowledge. And this is what Thomas Aquinas talks about. He's like, those who are culpably ignorant mm-hmm. versus those who are inculpably ignorant. Those who are responsible for their ignorance versus those who knew not. Like that's why like North American Indians, prior, yeah. like people in Asia, people in Africa, like people even in Europe today, people who don't know who Jesus is and don't know Christ, like the the possibility lies is that they don't know and God takes into account their knowledge. Mm-hmm. And like this, that's very Thomistic is the notion is that God, the ordinary way that God saves people, which is through baptism. Right. But like, but God, we believe in an extraordinary God. Mm-hmm. So that God gives us ordinary ways to for us to be saved. He can act as he chooses in extraordinary ways, in the extraordinary ma- ma- manners in which he works that, I mean, this is all found in the beauty of our Catholic faith, is that he can extraordinarily work through desire, that a person who did not know, but had they known, they would have had the desire, as well as that a person who sacrifices themselves, even to the point of shedding their blood, that those are two extraordinary ways in which God can reach out his hands and save those who did not know better. Yeah. And so like, that's the possibility. That's why Pope Francis, when he told that young boy, like your father, like he didn't, he didn't say your father's in heaven. He says, God's not going to abandon your father. Yeah, but he's yeah. like, yeah, but he's, but there's that notion where he also opens up, he opens the dialogue with that small boy as well as he's, he, he's made a couple different statements about like even the atheists, like we don't know and that's why we leave judgment in the hands of God. That's mm. why like God does, Jesus, John three sixteen, God didn't come into the world to condemn it. He came in to save it. God sent his son because of his love for us. Mm. And so like this notion that God, God gives us an ordinary way to be saved. But we believe in an extraordinary God, and that's why, like, but we do. We uh, the, but the ordinary gives us security and gives us a sense where we don't have to live in fear. Yes, right. like so. Right. That's, that's why, like, oh, I'm just going to go with the, with the ordinary. No, no, don't wor- don't like. He wants us to live without fear, and that's what baptism, and that's what and our that, faith provides. And that should motivate us too, not out of a place of fear, but out of a place of joy. If we have received the faith. If if you're a belie- if you're a believer, people that are watching this today, if you, if you and you're part of the church, then that should this thought of like, well, God will probably save everybody, so I don't need to tell people about this. Be like, this is so amazing, this relationship that I have with God here and now. That who am I to not share this with other people? And that since we don't know whether you know the the mechanisms or means by which it's possible, still through Jesus, that somebody who hasn't heard of Jesus can be saved. That I want them to know about Jesus. Right. I want them to know the good news and hear the gospel. I remember when I was in I was in China years ago uh, on a uh, we were doing a secret mission trip in China. Don't put this out there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and this young woman who had met the Lord. She grew up in a communist family and uh, she. She had met the Lord, had had a conversion, and her response was: We asked, we asked her about, like, well, what did, with your parents, you know? Who weren't? She's like, when I found out about Jesus, I couldn't wait to tell them. Yeah, you know, and like this, this, that, that, yeah. that, that should possess our hearts. That should move us. Where like, my heart would break if somebody doesn't know the salvation and the joy and the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ. So more than fear of hell, love and gratitude should be motivating us towards sharing, sharing this message Well, with if others. we can share who our favorite sports team is and the glories of that or how great the, the last restaurant we went to or where we went on vacation, I mean, you hear people, 
see people taking pictures of it and coming back and telling everybody about it, putting it on Facebook, and that, that we wouldn't do the same with, with our own salvation, with our own souls, with what we've received from Jesus, the love we've received from God. It's just, it's almost, we've become too comfortable. Okay, so I think we've come to a couple of conclusions today. So the bad place is real. Yes. Um, the yeah. bad place is real. You can go there. And wide is a way that that leads there. It's, it's you, you can, you know, e easy as that. Um, it's easier to get. That yeah. the Lord talks about that as part of our faith and just, just recognizing that. Um, and that the Lord's desires for us to be saved and that we get to be part of that saving mission towards reaching out towards others as well. So talking about the bad place, um, hopefully a little bit of hope there at the end as well. Thanks, guys, for engaging this conversation. Thank you guys so much for watching today on, on Catholic in America. Thanks for all your support on Patreon, all those who are liking and sharing and subscribing uh, these videos with others. Make sure you tell your friends, and we'll see you next time here on Catholic in America. <music>